0: And shit. Oh, no! Here we go.
1: Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? So, 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 so. It's a tradition. Here, here, Jar Jar, homie, my uh, main uh, man. Uh, Quickly, uh, before the separatists attack, get into the escape uh, pod. Hey,
0: this is escape, and we're the pods. <laughs> Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod In another episode of our sub-series, Rebels Talk Part 3 Where uh, your co-host and I, Blake and I Go back and we rewatch Star Wars Rebels Chronologically from beginning to end And dive deep into each episode and break it down we Talk about the characters, the story arcs, make connections and more And uh, today we're going over episodes 5, 6, 7, and 8 from season 1. Let's dive into it. Another episode of Rebels Talk. Welcome back, Blake. Hey, thank you. To
1: be here. Rebels! Rebels! rebel,
0: Rebels! One way out! One <laughs> way out! <laughs> Those aren't even rebels, they're just prisoners. That's, that's Andor, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, uh, did you see? This isn't really to rebels, but did you see uh, Star Wars Celebration? There was a whole bunch of people that dressed up as the prisoners and they just oh, like yeah. ran around yeah. celebration, screaming "One way out." Yeah, that was, that was so, awesome. So
0: good. Yeah, it um, got it
1: got me thinking. Like that looks like the most comfortable Star Wars costume, so we should all go with that.
0: It does. It looks like one of the cheapest to make as well. You know, like a, just too. a white jumpsuit. You know, so uh, yeah, it's I'd good. be up for that The celebration. We'll join in the crowd. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that's a great idea um well uh, you know another another episode of i mean speaking of andor i mean you know going back rebels talk what we're doing is we're going back uh, all the way to star wars rebels and rewatching it after after nine ten years going on ten years old uh and uh you know rewatching it from the beginning all the way through the end this is a, an experience that's kind of different uh for both of us because uh it's been it's been a little while since i've seen it and um i forget the last time you watched the show was it last year or two years ago uh, well, watching it, paying like close attention, being really into it, it
1: was years ago, but I was, I, I had recently just thrown it on in the background while I like, playing games stuff, so, like, right, so for uh, us to re even, even, even since then, though, like, re-watching it for the show, uh, I, I missed a lot doing that, so,
0: yeah, yeah, so for us to kind of go back now with all this pre-existing knowledge of all these other shows, you know, and or the Clone Wars finished, Uh, We have the Bad Batch. I mean, so many uh, of the Star Wars, the Jedi games, Fallen Order and Survivor, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's so many stories now that take place between Episode 3 and 4. And uh, it's been a bit of an enlightening kind of way to, you know, watch it after all these years, uh, having all this other context for for the events of the galaxy going on at this time period. And uh, it's really uh, sort of changing some perspective, uh, at least for me. Uh, So it's really cool to kind of go back and rewatch the show and especially leading up into and into Star Wars Ahsoka. So, um, yeah, it's uh, let's let's kick things off with um, the next episode of our list. And a quick reminder to our listeners who uh, may not be aware of what we're doing Major spoilers ahead for uh, the following Rebels episodes: Season 1, Episode 5, Rise of the Old Masters, Season 1, Episode 6, Breaking Rank, Season 1, Episode 7, Out of Darkness, and Season 1, Episode 8, Empire Day. Uh, always check the description in these Rebel Talks episode for the list of episodes that we plan on reviewing, and that way you can uh, prepare yourself and watch those episodes ahead of time. Uh, and then uh, listen to the podcast. So make sure you stay ahead of us by about four episodes or so because, uh, you know, that way when the podcast drops, you're all good to go. So uh, here we go Rise of the Old Masters, directed by uh, Stuart Lee. Writers include Henry Gilroy and uh, guest stars Brent Spiner. Uh, isn't that crazy? Um, the Star Trek Brent Spiner. Um, the air date of this episode was uh, on. October 27th, 2014 on Disney XD. And the summary goes, Ezra has started his Jedi training, but struggles with the basics, while Kanan also struggles with his new role as a mentor. The Rebels discover an underground transmission, reporting that Jedi Master Luminara Unduli has survived Order 66 and is being held in a high-security Imperial prison on Stygian Prime. Frustrated with his own inability to teach Ezra, Kanan leads his crew to rescue Luminara, hoping that she would be a more capable teacher for Ezra. Upon reaching her cell, Kanan and Ezra discover that Luminara is long dead and that her remains are being used as bait by an Inquisitor to lure the Jedi into a trap. The two work together to escape the Inquisitor before Hera rescues them aboard the Phantom. After Ezra reveals his insecurities over Kanan trying to give him another mentor, Kanan resolves to train Ezra himself. Uh, Off the bat, what did you think of this episode? I like this one. I thought this one actually uh, had a lot of really like,
1: interesting, uh, I guess you would to call it story point, but I thought what they did with Jedi Master Livnara was, was super interesting, and that
0: was a really good way to introduce the
1: Grand Inquisitor, right?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, no, this is the first time that the Grand Inquisitor introduces himself to the Jedi, to the protagonist of our story. Mm-hmm. and uh you know it's just uh, I think I brought this up in the last in last week's uh Rebels talk where you know I kind of suggested that the beginning of the season was um a little bit dated perhaps just the way that they introduced what Inquisitors are to people because you know release order wise it was the first time people saw Inquisitors um right. so it hasn't really sat too well with all the other content that's come out since then with Inquisitors but Um, you know, this was kind of the first time that, that Grand Inquisitor pops out, you know, and introduces himself to Kanan. Uh, did you recognize perhaps any, any dialogue that perhaps have may have aged more than it should have or, or anything like that? Or did this whole event feel, feel fine to you?
1: Well, I feel like you're saying that because it's probably something, but nothing stood out to me. No,
0: no, it's not your question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like,
1: when are you leading that? We're <laughs> we going somewhere with this? Yeah. Huh. Uh, not, nothing really caught my ear that was like that. Not in this episode. Anything goofy like when Vader was talking to the High Inquisitor last episode or the last time we saw him. Mm-hmm. Um I think the main thing that I really liked about it, though, is it just seems very Sithy to use a dead Jedi's corpse to try to lure in other, other unsuspecting Jedi. I thought that was a really cool call. But admittedly, I don't really understand how it would work, because, like, Kanan said, she, like, her presence felt clouded. How, how, if she is dead, as the Inquisitor confirmed? How would they be able to project her presence like that?
0: I, I kind of wondered that Sith myself. Magic, I
1: guess. I don't know.
0: Well, so in Clone Wars introduced us to the holographic disguise matrix technology, which is like a, a kind of like a hologram that works like a disguise. And I mm-hmm. imagine it's probably a similar piece of technology in which, you know, it's it's got like a basically like a a full scan of her that it's able to utilize as kind of a decoy. And, uh, and then, you know, naturally, of course, it's probably that, you know, it's not just the hologram, but it's, it's the presence of that person's body preserved as much as possible that allows Kanan to feel the presence of that person. But it's, but it's absent, right? Is there's something, something wrong about it? Um, so I think that's maybe his way of describing what that feeling was like to Ezra was, you know, it feels clouded, but why does it feel clouded? You know, it turns out while well, she's dead. Um, but, you know, I, I just, uh, I thought that was also kind of interesting, you know, the way that they, the way that they use her body to, to lure Jedi, I guess it's a combination of technology and using the body to kind of drive the force, you know? Sense. Yeah, it's
1: gotta be some sort of force stuff going on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, This episode kicks off kind of interesting. Ezra's training on top of the ghost um, just as they're flying or hovering there or whatever. Um, Yeah, I got to say out
1: for a Jedi practicing early stages of using the force, I wouldn't expect to be, if that were me, I wouldn't be expecting to have a droid throwing milk jugs at me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I thought that was (laughs) like, man, Chopper is so vicious, like. You know, I, I, I don't he's think he's a dick, <laughs> yeah. Like, he could have killed that kid, and he just, um, I don't know, he just he's doesn't laughing, get, yeah, he's laughing the whole time. <laughs> he loves <laughs> it, yeah. I could just imagine Dave behind the mic going, <laughs> <laughs> and they got to retime it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you're going to have to retime this, but I'm just going to laugh, all right? Because I'm trying to kill Ezra right now. <laughs> 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 I really hope Dave never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the underground transmission is, um, and uh, it looks like I never finished. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the underground transmission is, uh, is uh, Luminara Unduli. Um, there's a, some sort of person somewhere. Um, Did you catch it? It was like it was like a broadcast that someone has and they're they're not showing their face. And, uh, you know, just some some previous knowledge that, you know, adding to this is that we eventually find out who this person is. But uh, they're they're um, it's a bit of a twist. So, you know, don't need to get into it. But um, but this uh, it's kind of it's kind of a suspicious thing that this person has information on such an obscure event of the Empire moving jedi who should long have been killed off and inquisitors are just supposed to kill the jedi they're not supposed to you know take the prisoner right so um i thought th- that whole thing was it's got a funny feeling about it you know at, at the very start and then sure enough when they go and rescue her it's a trap it's clearly a trap set by the inquisitors so mm-hmm. um i don't know if that already kind of tells you what you need to know about this broadcast maybe it's either fake news or or like you know someone's obviously working with the inquisitor whatever um but it's 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 there's something off about the whole event of this underground transmission and kind of like the intel that that people have on on this on this thing right um so i don't know if you have anything to add to that or not but uh no i think that's 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 pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got our first look at the spinning lightsaber in this in this episode. This was the first time that people realized that these lightsabers spin. Um, yeah, it was a direct ripoff of that toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before Star Wars Rebels, there was a Hasbro lightsaber toy that came out, which had like a the exact same handle, and you just kind of flicked your wrist in a twist motion and. These uh, the blades would kind of cycle around, and I think it was released as a General Grievous lightsaber. Yeah, toy. it was.
1: Yeah, that's right. So you you could replicate Grievous's
0: lightsaber spinning around in a circle. That
1: was the idea. But you could. <laughs> it came with like different saber parts. You could adjust it and like replace pieces. You mm-hmm. could have lightsaber daggers. And, I don't know. It was. It was weird. I guess the first build your own lightsaber toy with this weird spinning mechanism. I don't know. Yeah, those, Hasbro throwing stuff at the wall.
0: Since then, they've made like the craziest looking stuff, like two blades on each end, and you know, get like a helicopter saber. Like, <laughs> oh um, my
1: gosh! So I remember uh, as a kid, I, I was really into that, trying to do like lightsaber stuff, like designs. Yeah. To make, like a like a sniper rifle with a lightsaber on the bottom, or what was the other? Uh, there was a, a design I found that was a it was a, a four bladed lightsaber. It's kind of like a staff saber, but it splits out to have two on each end, it's like it's like uh, like tridents almost, but a two,
0: like raised lights, like dark raised lightsaber, but but duplicated, like on the other side. Yeah,
1: on, on both yeah. sides, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's Just like the random. most. That's like the most thirteen-year-old thing to, to try and think of, right? Like, <laughs> but thirteen-year-old thing,
1: and then J.J.
0: Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> but then also star wars visions i mean like that that one Inquisitor right but star that's wars anime visions. so yeah it's gonna be kind of like, crazy yeah
1: yeah you, there's a little bit more of a uh an asterisk i think when you do anime because i think in like anime series
0: weapons and stuff are often pretty uh unique right yeah definitely stylized and and, and whatever else. yeah uh i remember when uh, when i first saw the spinning lightsaber and Star Wars Rebels, just the feeling that I got was, you know, this is it's strange. Um, I was okay with it up to the point where I could fly. That was right through the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was uh, that was where I drew the line too. Uh, I mean, here's the thing about about these lightsabers, though. I always thought, based on what I'd known at the time from the EU, that the the kyber crystal within the hilt was a direct Uh, source with with a laser that went through a series of emitters and amplifiers and whatever um, Mm -hmm. out the the top to create the blade right so i didn't really understand the science as to how the emitter can twist and turn out of line from that power source because then you just have the rail going around right and i just i I just didn't really understand how that was supposed to work Um,
1: some sort of tube inside there maybe i don't know
0: well like you can look up blueprints of lightsabers on online and and conveniently skip this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like you, you get you get the, the the blueprints of the old legacy lightsabers like darth vader's lightsaber and obi-wans and luke's and whatever um, sure. anakins and uh, they all just have a very similar kind of you know basic element structure to it i mean even even in jedi fallen order or Survivor, like Calcastus, he dismantles his lightsaber. Every single component seems to have this logic to it, right? And I think that's kind of the whole design aspect with, with uh, you know something Doug Chang has shared in the past. How you know you should be able to look at these things and know what they do, and 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 just kind of have this understanding as to what these things are for, and. Um, right. I didn't yeah, get like that. Practical few. should always be a, yeah. like a practical perspective to it. Yeah, it should look practical, exactly. And I just never looked at these lightsabers as practical at all. I mean, like they, they hold them and twirl them like a staff saber, but they're not long enough to do so with two hands. And then yeah. on top of that, they have the spinning ne- mechanism that kind of kind of breaks the logic of how the lightsaber hilt works in the first place. So, Plus it uh, folds in
1: half for one-handed use.
0: Right, yeah, just like, you know, and they all have their own kind of little mechanism of how they do their spinny trick and whatever, but like, it's just, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I've always had a bit of a problem with, with these lightsabers, they've never been overly cool to me, uh, and uh, they all seem to be broken the same way. Um, you know, like, um, <laughs> like, like, I mean, I don't want to spoil the end of Rebels, but like Obi-Wan Kenobi did it pretty well where, where they just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of seems like the hilt itself is the weak spot. And, yeah. uh, and then in Rebels season two, there's also a moment in which like, you know, the, the spinny thing fails on one of the lightsabers and and that ends up, you know, being detrimental. And it's just like, Really, you know, and even Ahsoka, like she sticks her lightsaber blades between the holes of of someone's Inquisitor blade at one point, and you know where it's not, you know, wh- because when it went spinning, there's still like an empty gap between the top and bottom half of that person's fist. So it's mm-hmm. like you can just stick a lightsaber in there and slice upwards, and boom, done. Right? Anyways, um, the relationship. I think it's supposed to be more of an intimidation thing. <sighs> yeah, make them
1: panic. Maybe. But jokes on them because Obi Wan fought Grievous, who had four of
0: them. See, I like that's the thing, right? Like, I, like I want to, I want, I want to get a Star Wars story which explains the logic of these lightsabers, and I also want to get a story in which it shares why they all have the same design. You know, like the hilt changes per Inquisitor, but like, why do they all have the spinny lightsaber? Is it like a uniform thing, or do they
1: change? I thought they were all the same.
0: No, all the hilts look different like across the board like all the inquisitors have different really? hilts yeah but they and all they have the it. same double bladed uh spinny design to it and i just i never really understood why that is like is there like a purpose other than uniform is there any other purpose to why you know this yeah. is a good lightsaber to have right um i would like to get a star wars story that that explains all that <laughs> um anyways it's just a trademark of their fighting style, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, the relationship between Kanan and Ezra uh, tries to pawn him off, but ends up getting stuck with him in the end, much like Anakin and Obi-Wan. I thought that was an interesting parallel. No, it's a good point. I didn't even think about the, uh,
1: the comparison. So I, it did, I did feel the whole time, and as we saw in the story as it progressed, um, it, Kanan definitely doesn't feel up to training Ezra and is trying really hard to pawn him off. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like he was being a bit of a dick, honestly. He's <laughs> like, how do I get rid of this kid? Like, he doesn't want... He's still... Well, his character is that he's still very detached from his former life as a Jedi, and he. I think he's still uncomfortable to uh, reignite that... Sorry, say again? I was saying, uh, I think Kanan is still feeling detached from being a Jedi, and he's uncomfortable to like, go back to that, that way of life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I think he's also feeling like a failed master, too, because he's clearly having a rough time teaching Ezra. I mean, Zeb points that out at the beginning of the episode. So um I think perhaps for... Kanan, he just feels like Ezra can benefit better if he was trained under an actual Jedi Master and not just... Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even a Knight.
1: He was just a Padawan.
0: That's right, yeah. And I don't think we've even mentioned that so far in Rebels Talk, but, yeah, Kanan Jarrus is actually a a Padawan. You know, he never never made it to be a Jedi Knight. He never got to be a Knight or a Master. Uh, He got away when he was quite young as a boy, and we had a cameo of him in The Bad Batch. And, uh, you know, it's opening scene, opening scene. And, um, I guess at this point, if anyone's seen the bad batch, it's not really a spoiler. Uh, but his real name isn't actually Canon Jarrett, so It's Caleb doom and, uh, doom. The... doom, that's right. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, that's the episode. I, I don't really know who Brett, Brent Spiner played. Um, do you have an idea of who he perhaps played played in this episode? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It says he was in yeah, the... He played my, the,
1: the space whales. Did the voice of the space... The noise of the space whales that were humping the phantom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: oh, I... I, I do I, I found it. I found it. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I found it. It's it's Gall Travis. He He's the voice on the hologram that reveals... Oh, yeah. Let me... Yeah, that reveals what's happened with, with Luminar Unduly. Were Um, you surprised though that they had a scene
1: where there was uh, flying like whale
0: bats that were getting frisky? Yeah, just getting frisky with the with the phantom. Yeah, that was that was that was interesting.
1: I was like, this is a kids show. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's birds and the bees. I'm sure they're aware, but it just didn't seem like something you would normally put in a kids cartoon. It's a
0: mating call. It's like, yeah, no, it's like, (laughs) and they're just ramming against the phantom. (laughs) Yeah. but yeah they, they hit that thing hard oh my gosh <laughs> all right season one episode six breaking ranks oh sorry before we move on is there any other notes that you have which we haven't brought up um just that i still think loft cats
1: look really stupid i agree <laughs> all right sweet i've never liked their design and i thought it was worth just like they look like the most un Star Warsy thing to me. They look like they look like, like they something, look like out of something a, an
0: anime. Totally, totally, yeah. They, I was gonna say they look like something out of an anime. Um, anyways, season one, episode six, breaking ranks. Uh, this episode, uh, this episode was an interesting one. Uh, clearly, a bit of a time gap between the last one and this one. Uh, this episode was directed by Stephen G Lee, director, uh, The writer was uh, Greg Wiseman. Uh, guest stars David Shaughnessy, Liam O'Brien, Dante Basco, Eric Lopez, and Brighton James. This episode also premiered on Disney XD November 3rd, 2014. And the summary goes as such. Ezra goes undercover as an Imperial Academy cadet to help foil a shipment of kyber crystals. Thanks to his training, Ezra quickly proves the most capable student in the class. During his operation, he befriends fellow cadets Zare Leonis and Jai Kell the former whom has similarly infiltrated the academy in search of his missing sister, Dara. After completing the mission, Ezra discovers that the Inquisitor, having taken notice of his and Jai's abilities, intends to take them prisoner. Uh, with Zair and the other rebels' help, the three are able to fight their way out of the facility during an imperial walker training exercise. Jai goes into hiding with Zare. Uh, while Zare remains at the Academy to continue his search for Dara. Um, th- that summary is slightly inaccurate, since it was actually the Imperial officers that reported uh, Ezra's uh, abilities, or, you know, insane kind of skills to, uh, to the Inquisitor as uh, suspicious. Mm-hmm. So uh, this episode was interesting because it actually introduces uh, Zare Leonis, to Star Wars canon, who is uh, most notably the main character protagonist of an offshoot Star Wars Rebels story uh, called Servants of the Empire, which is a four book junior novel series. First one is called Edge of the Galaxy. Second is called Rebel in the Ranks. The third one is called Imperial Justice. And the fourth one is called The Secret Academy. And this junior novel series was very well written. Uh, I read all of them. Uh, In fact, I owned copies of all of them. And uh, they, uh, they, they told the offshooting story of uh, Zer Leonis going on the search for his sister and, and what he does after he stays at the Academy by the end of the episode. So if anyone wants to know more about Zare Leonis, uh, perhaps we can do an episode kind of like later down the road uh, about Zer. The, he crosses over with the Rebels crew on more than one occasion. And uh, the timeline of the events of his story, I think, overlap with some point in, in season two of Star Wars Rebels. So we got a lot of time to cover that story. So maybe at some point in Rebels Talk we can we can hit that we're looking subject into you for sure. Because I think yeah. it's
1: going to be uh I'm pretty sure that it comes up again later on in the series as well. Yeah
0: he does show up again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because honestly I don't remember what happens, so I feel like I can speculate. Um
0: yeah.
1: I think her as well as what they were going to do with with uh, Ezra here, was I think they weren't going to be imprisoned. They were going to be uh, trained to be Inquisitors.
0: I think that's the idea. Yeah. Um, what I think of... that's going to be the reveal.
1: I think maybe, I, can't, I don't remember if we ever see his sister later and she is an Inquisitor. I think that'd be really interesting if that happened.
0: Yeah, that's that's the whole that's the whole idea. I guess the perspective from Ezra is that they will be taken prisoner, but you're right that that's actually not the reality. the The reality is any really gifted student are are going to be taken into custody and then taken elsewhere where they're trained at a at a secret facility, and that's part of Zera's story, um, and that's kind of what happened to his sister as well. Uh, is 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 coming into contact with the Inquisitors and and what goes on at this imperial facility. Because the Empire has so many projects going on, right? Um, it, it's interesting what it does, because uh, this series was coming out, I guess, when the sequel trilogy was was about to come out as well, and there is some surprisingly enough, some connective tissue between Zare's storyline and um, and the sequel trilogy as a whole. So oh, that's
1: it, interesting, and everyone expected that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the I remember reading the book series and remembering it to be uh, very good. I was I've i am I've always been impressed with the junior novels. I, I, other than the ones that I've read in the High Republic, I feel like the junior novels have been um, very pleasing to read. You know, they've they've always been quite uh, quite good stories. So, Ezra is spotted as too good. Uh, and this this test. All right, I just want to talk about this test for a second. This test is incredibly rigorous for meager stormtroopers
1: that was thinking that too that's one of my notes i thought it was pretty bizarre that we see them like climbing these these uh floating uh, boxes and they gotta jump and do all the stuff get to get out and i was thinking, when do we ever see stormtroopers do that like never <laughs> never they're they're very clumsy and incompetent so I was like why, why do they have to go through this training if they're so
0: terrible yeah exactly yeah we heard the music from the Clone Wars episode called the Box, uh, which this whole event of these floating boxes going around was a plot uh, or one of the obstacle courses in the box uh, that we saw obi-wan undercover as a bounty hunter in uh, this was uh, th- this was an episode that that kind of mimicked that so it was cool mm-hmm. it was I thought it was interesting and clever. Of Kevin Kiner, the the composer of both Clone Wars and Rebels, 2, kind of call back to that that episode, uh, kind of in the in the music. Um, I didn't realize
1: the same music. Mm-hmm. I recognized the uh, like the, the the box mechanics though from the Clone Wars episode. I was yeah. wondering if it's supposed to be the same thing. I think in Clone Wars it was custom made to test them. So maybe since then it's been standardized. Put a patent
0: on it or something. Yeah, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Hera and the crew are waiting uh, for Ezra for a while, I assume, because you know I, I highly doubt that he just kind of went in and over the course of a couple of days managed to, you know, uh, get approved as an Imperial cadet and then also get to this level of of the testing and and whatever. Like, can any schmuck just off the street go in and you know say I want to be a cadet? And if they're a kid, they're like, yeah, okay, we'll sign you up. Like, how does that's that what even it seems like, that's, what, like
1: yeah. that's we talked a bit about this last week where it seems really strange to me that they would train stormtroopers from kids this young unless the they had some sort of a like, youth thing like cadets like you know, like like in the west here we have like you can sign up to be a cadet but it's like you're not actually in the military mm. you just I guess learn some basics of the military, but it's more of like a prelude
0: recruitment thing. Yeah.
1: Or like military school, stuff like that. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I had, uh... But the,
1: you wouldn't, but they say specifically in this episode, the commandant is like, you will go on to be stormtroopers. I was like, are they actually part of it? The, the proper like yeah, training they're... program then?
0: Yeah. Cause they're a little short to be stormtroopers. You know, it's like, how long are they going to be in this cadet program? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I love Agent Callis's line in this episode when, when, when Ezra and Zare are uh, sneaking about, and they decide, Zare decides, Ezra, he's going to help him steal the decoder, and so he knocks on Agent Callis's door as a diversion and and says like, "Here's your, here's the pod racer parts you ordered, sir," and he's, he's like, "Yeah, what? There must excuse. be some mistake. What would I want with?" Hard racer parts. And I was like, <laughs> this is this is probably one of the stupidest, like funniest things I think I've seen in this delivery from Jabba. In this episode. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's like this along the same lines of like verbal cameo, I guess, but then at the same time makes no sense to have in this particular scenario. You know? Yeah, what I mean? like it's it's so ridiculous that I think it would rouse suspicion. Yeah, it's like what are you trying to do, man? Like, like tell him that his uh, see Tie Fighter parts. Yeah, like, TIE even fighter even parts. that much much of a difference. Like, yeah, what exactly. What the heck are you talking? About? Yeah, it's like here, here you have to sign off on the new Pod racer, or the the Tie Fighter parts that are coming into the hangar. Um, like, wait, what? You know, was like, um, anyway, I thought Pod racer parts was a little weird. Uh,
1: no, I caught my ear too. Oh, that was very strange.
0: The the crystal in the big Imperial transport is en route. ...to Project Stardust, of course, which blows up. We find the giant kyber crystal explosion... Uh, ...eat away at the TIE Fighters as it's expanding in a giant blast. And uh, we've seen a blast like this before in, uh, in the Clone Wars. If anyone watched the proxy animation episodes that were unreleased... Um, ...as full finished episodes, uh, you can find them on the, the bonus features of uh, the Blu-ray... ...or on YouTube, and these are episodes which uh, never got finished and, and they ended up releasing the proxy animation with all the dialogue included. Uh, Same, very similar plot line where Sidious is still, you know, very actively building the Death Star behind the Republic's back and uh, acquiring these massively large kyber crystals, which uh, drives the Death Star laser, uh, which is capable of blowing up a planet. And, you know, wherever he's finding these giant kyber crystals, no idea. But the idea is... They seem is, to
1: be across the whole galaxy.
0: They see, yeah, they yeah. seem to be kind of here and there, I guess. Yeah, and this this was just another extension of that plot. And I, I thought the, it was The first clever. one
1: was, was Utapau, right? And then, yeah.
0: yeah. First one was and then Second one was... uh, was jeddah I feel like, did we see... An, an episode in The Bad Batch with a kyber crystal in it as well. Oh, I think so. I'm 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 mind I'm blanking on on whether or not we had an episode, um, with it with a giant kyber crystal. But I feel like maybe in The Bad Batch we had a plot that included a giant kyber crystal at some point. Yeah,
1: I think this one from that ice planet as well. Yeah. Where all the ones go to get their sabers in Clone Wars.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the escape, which was, uh, which was, a uh, pretty narrow, but, you know, they all, they all get away. Jai, uh, gets put into hiding and, uh, and Zare, uh, <laughs> Zare, uh, pretends to fire at the speeder as they're driving off to, to cover it up. And, you know, the Inquisitor kind of approaches him when he finally gets there. And, um, I guess perhaps we can assume that that's, you know, he t- gets taken into custody or into the, Care of whatever facility he's going to next, um, and that's where Zare's book series, uh, uh, *Secrets of the Empire*, uh, picks up. So, anyone wishing to check that out, uh, it's not too fi- too hard to find uh, uh, the ebook or or you know down at your local bookstore, or whatever. Uh, it's great great junior novel series. I, I really liked it a lot. So so
1: I don't think that we don't I don't think we see it in. Bad batch, but there is an episode later on in Rebels where they find another one and they're up to it. Saga
0: arrows. Oh, so maybe that's worth. I think, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking of, but yeah, who knows? Um, right? Any uh, any last notes for this one? Well, we covered all my notes. Awesome. Season one, episode seven, Out of Darkness. Uh, this episode was uh, was was interesting. Uh, because it is also an extension of something we saw in Clone Wars. So this episode was directed by Stuart Lee. Writer was uh, Kevin Hops, And this episode aired on Disney XD November 10th, 2014. Guest starred uh, Nobody. And um, this, <laughs> this plot, uh, Chopper's antics, caused Ezra and Zeb to forget to carry out an important repair on the Phantom. They forget to check the diagnostics. Hera and Sabine set out on an abandoned uh, Republic asteroid base to, re- to re- retrieve supplies provided by Fulcrum, who is now at this point uh, providing them Rebel intelligence network uh, information to Hera. Uh, and then they basically carry out missions that this Fulcrum person is, is, is giving them. Uh, Fulcrum is an anonymous informant whom Hera has been in contact with. Sabine voices her displeasure towards Hera's secrecy about the mission, feeling as though neither she or Kanan can trust her. Uh, due to the fuel tank leaking on the Phantom, there are two, uh, the two are left stranded on the base, which is infested with deadly Furnox. Uh, the two. Burlocks. That's right. Uh, the two work together to survive the creatures as long, uh, just long enough that the rest of the crew uh, can rescue them aboard the Ghost, allowing Sabine to overcome her trust issues while Hera tells her to have faith in the growing rebellion. So this was an uh, interesting story arc for Sabine, uh, and uh, this is also apparently the last episode that takes place in five BBY. That is five years before Episode Four. Um, I don't really so know. So we can assume that it's near December. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know where that information comes from. I don't know if it's from maybe the new Star Wars timelines book or, or somewhere else, but that was what's on the Wikipedia page. And the follow-up episode is, um, the first episode to take place in for BBY. So, uh, this, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting little point to make. Uh, At this point, they're working under fulcrum. It's very obvious at this point. So since the introduction to Bail Organa, uh, which was a few episodes ago, uh, since then, they have, I guess, been reached out to by his network of spies.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So prior to this, they weren't working for Fulcrum, but now they are?
1: Exactly. At, in between episodes? That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. I think that there should have been an arc there where they they decided to start working for
0: Fulcrum. Well, it, I, I, I always thought that Dodgy too. about doing it. Yeah, because I've always thought to myself, episode three, which was Droids in Distress, that's the episode where Bail Organa has had R2 spying on... Kara's crew the entire episode. And he basically tells them, fills them in on this particular rebel cell. So I always assumed that because Fulcrum is working for Bale, I always assumed that at this point, when Fulcrum's introduced to the story, that, you know, with Sabine's kind of distrust of this, you know, whole scenario, I always thought that maybe it was like a more recent development that kind of happened between the episodes between uh, the time gaps of season five or season one, episode five and six, or perhaps uh, episode four and five or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even between six and seven. I, I, I just got the feeling that maybe Fulcrum coming into their crew as an informant or, or whatever is, uh, is a bit of a recent kind of development. Like, did you get that feeling or was that just me?
1: You're probably right. But
0: I, for some reason,
1: just because there were no nonchal uh, Hera was so nonchalant about it, it felt like she had been working for Fulcrum for a long time.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I guess she's got the trust, right? But <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is
1: interesting. especially like I feel like the interaction between Hera and Sabine, it really felt like Hera and Kane had been working for Fulcrum for a while now.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't I but it's tough to say, right? Because Fulcrum right, wasn't a so. thing in the novel either so between yeah
1: I think there's a there's a, a missing story element here then that they should have there should have been some sort of drama around working for falkerman
0: there should have been yeah there should have been like a very last episode scene or something like that with them getting a transmission from a whole, a fulcrum and and you know a uh, request to 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 meet uh somewhere or somewhere or whatever right because um, it, it makes sense they need to work for someone
1: else after. The, uh, the last job went south, and they were working with um, the, the guy's name. But
0: scumbag Vizago?
1: With the, with the Disruptors. That's the one, Scumbag Vizago. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: something about this episode is Sabine and Hera end up on uh, a planet called Anaxis, And this is where um, a Republic base from the Clone Wars has uh, been long abandoned. And this particular base of the Republic was actually featured in the final season of the Clone Wars. It was in the Bad Batch arc in the first episode of the Bad Batch arc in season seven of Clone Wars. And since then, something very drastic has happened because now the planet has been like blown to smithereens and there's asteroids floating around everywhere. So we do know oh, from... Oh, man, I did not realize that was the same planet. Yeah, we do know that um, there was a Mace Windu episode in that Bad Batch arc in which they dismantle or disarm a giant bomb, which has kind of been planted there by the Trade Federation or, or something or another. And uh, I got the feeling that maybe since the Clone Wars in those f- 15, 14 years, uh, perhaps this bomb has actually been triggered or set off somehow and end up blowing up this this planet to, to smithereens or, or a big chunk of it uh, because when we saw this planet in Clone Wars it was it was colorful there was no asteroids it wasn't depressing looking place or anything like that and now it's quite the opposite so uh, something's happened there and uh, we don't have a story as to what exactly I was hoping maybe in the Bad Batch a show uh, in season three perhaps maybe we get the answers to uh, to that uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm hoping for a lot of things for Season 3, including maybe some answers as to um, how... It's a lot to reveal. Maybe yeah. that was
1: one of the Clone Wars episodes that got canceled.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, uh, Rex and Wolf and Gregor. I mean, we know that Gregor showed up in in, Cl- in Bad Batch so far, but Wolf has not. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that yeah. maybe we get an episode which, which brings him into the fold and kind of explains why... Rex Wolfinger, they're and retired. Yeah, why they give up the fight, kind of fighting for their clones, and why they just end up chilling in a desert planet what gonna, somewhere.
1: I don't know what they're gonna do about that, especially because two of them, well, maybe maybe just Rex. He's, Rex is on the run. I don't know about the other.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's tough to say. I think I think that's gonna be the hardest part of Bad Batch season three is really making that connective tissue between the Bad Batch and Star Wars Rebels, unless they plan on doing another animated show between those events. Uh, I could totally see that as well. Uh but yeah. I, I'm gonna take a guess that Rex takes on
1: someone else's identity. Yeah, maybe. Because they're clones. Yeah. That's the I only guess. thing I can think of.
0: Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um Kanan's Jedi Master Wisdom joke of hearing them outside the door. I thought that was a good laugh. Just trying to explain the do or do not, there's no try. No, when 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 Zeb and Ezra are are kind of it's like, oh, how do we tell Kanan that that we messed up on the Phantom, you know? And he's like meditating in his room, and he's like, okay, okay we'll, yeah. we'll just we'll just approach it, and we'll just we'll just tell we'll just tell. Him, we'll just tell him. And then you know the door the door opens up, and you know he just kind of revealed, like, yeah, I I didn't need to, see. He's like Hera and They're Sabine like, oh, are in he, trouble. He can sense it? He's like, well, you could sense it. He's like. I heard you outside the door. <laughs> I thought that was like such a smart ass thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good
1: uh, Jedi joke. I think that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought the monsters in this episode were pretty cool because it was very pitch black. If you yeah. ever watched that series? That series with Vin Diesel in the first movie, right? The trilogy. Yeah. The, uh, or the monsters that like can't go in, in sunlight, so they only attack in the in the
0: shade. And they got to deal with things blocking up the sun. Yeah, the creatures had a very "I am legend" complex about them, like the zombies like yeah, they that too couldn't couldn't touch sunlight or whatever. Like there was something interesting about that too.
1: Yeah. Um, and you said the
0: name was it was like similar to Minox, My- right?
1: Yeah, uh, Fernox. Fernox. I wonder if there's any correlation between the two. They feed on power or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um I mean, Wikipedia page, I mean, that's that's always helpful. Uh let's see here. Yeah, they're I don't know. It doesn't doesn't say much about them honestly. They've only shown up in Rebels and uh, oh, they were in the Bad Batch episode in Clone Wars, but that was about it. No. Oh, they've been they've been mentioned maybe no. Yeah, men, uh, mentioned in uh in a Poe Dameron book and they're in a Crash of Fate and that's about it. So yeah. All right. Uh let's move on to the final episode here, unless you got any other notes. I just thought it was funny that Ezra's just always trying to be a
1: hero in every episode now. So he jumps in to try to save Sabine and just immediately gets like taken out. <laughs> yeah, just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. It just backfires so hard. I love how he tries to I'll play it. I'll save cool, you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love how he tries to play it cool too. Hey Sabine, thanks for uh saving me back there. Don't don't read too much into it, kid. (laughs) Yeah, so suave. Yeah, yeah, totally. Season 1, Episode 8, Empire Day, directed by Stephen G. Lee. Writer uh, was Henry Gilroy. Guest stars David Shaughnessy, D. D., Bradley Baker, David Accord, Brent Spiner, Kath Soucy, and Peter McNichol. Uh, This episode premiered on Disney XD, November 17th, 2014, and uh, the summary goes as such. Kanan tries to teach Ezra how to use the Force and to make a connection with other living creatures. The rebels destroy the Empire's new prototype TIE fighter during a parade celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Empire's creation. Ezra, who turns out is born on the original first day of the Empire's creation, has turned 15 years old today. He's preoccupied with his feelings toward his missing parents and opts opts out on the mission. He soon soon discovers that his parents' uh, Rodian friend, Sebo, is wanted by the Empire and rejoins his friends to look for him. Sebo is found hiding in the basement of Ezra's old house, where Ezra reveals his parents were actually arrested for making anti-Empire radio broadcasts, after which Sebo has gone to work for the Empire. Uh, the rebels learn that Cebo has allowed himself to be implanted with the cybernex so that he could steal information that is valuable to the Empire. Through the sheer amount of information he's uploaded has affected his mind. Uh, the rebels smuggle him off the Locothal aboard the Ghost. During the ensuing chase uh, led by the Inquisitor, Zeebo regains his senses and reveals that he knows what happens to Ezra's parents, to be continued. So, uh, this is the first episode to take place in 4 BBY. I guess that's based on empire day and uh empire day is the first day that chief declares himself as emperor of the empire so we saw the very first in au- <laughs> the first inaugural uh empire day in revenge of the sith at the very end of the film when Sidious de- declares the republic is the grand uh or the galactic empire at that point that's 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 empire day that's so the founding yeah founding
1: of the empire
0: yeah uh the imperial anthem which there is one, the imperial anthem is called Glory to the Empire, which is a twisted, upbeat version from John Williams's Imperial March.
1: I've noticed they've done that a few times across Star Wars, taking like theme music that we know from the movies and shows and then playing them in universe. Yeah, um, an example uh, I think I forgot to mention it actually, but in the the most recent season of uh, Mandalorian, when we're following the the doctor, the scientists uh, on Coruscant, when they're at the Coruscant fair, they're actually playing the the uh, March of the Resistance theme. Yeah,
0: in universe. That's right. Yeah, it's like a. I don't. I don't know how I feel about them doing that, but it's become a thing. It has become a thing. Yeah. Hey, here's a, here, here's the glory to the Empire song yeah i don't really know how i feel about it. like on the one hand i think it's kind of clever on the other hand i don't really like them breaking that wall
1: yeah that's the thing like it's it, it based, Like it's a, it's an easy thing to do to make that correspondence, so you, you know, you already know what the the song is, like the theme song who it's for or what it's about, and yeah. So you you already get that connection, but it also feels a little meta. I
0: don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Empire Day was the name of a holiday in Canada and the United Kingdom uh, for other countries celebrating the British Empire held on or near to the 24th of May, Queen Victoria's birthday, between 1898 and 1958. Coincidentally, the day on which the world premiere of Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, was held in London. The 20th of May 1980 fell close to this date, and so the term Empire Day was used in marketing for the premiere event. That's funny. So, I guess there is a bit of an Empire egg Strikes there.
1: Back Empire Day. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, there was a bit of an there's a bit of an Easter egg there when uh, I guess coming up with a name for this holiday in universe it's
1: <laughs> um, kind of neat I mean yeah I was uh, assuming it just had to do with the family of the Empire didn't realize it was also kind of yeah a tongue-in-cheek reference
0: yeah 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 I thought that was kind of kind of clever um it's also so Ezra's birthday turns out to be on Empire Day so we get a solid clarification for how old he is and he is 15 years old. So there we go. Mm-hmm. So he is 14 when we first. Yeah. We were him. pretty close. Yeah. I, you yeah know, I that's feel his like... birthday. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So he was 14. Now it's 15. Where did we read that it was like 17 years old? Was that like, maybe that was a bad piece of information what? from somewhere, but I feel like we were talking about this like two episodes ago.
1: Wikipedia is, I assume,
0: right? Maybe. Yeah. I think it was Wikipedia. Yeah. Can't trust what you, uh, find on the wiki. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. There we go. Come on.
1: Come on guys. Yeah. Well, they are recruiting. Remember they are recruiting to get more people
0: to help out. Yeah. Yeah, This stuff on track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Small, small note to the Supreme emperor, um, Ezra Bridger's age. (laughs) (laughs) Time to update. Um, so, uh, yeah, this was, um, this was actually, uh, it's an interesting little thing to note, but Ezra's birthday is, Apparently two days before the birth of Luke and Leia on uh, Polis Masa. Uh, I wasn't aware. Oh man, he's older than Luke? By like two days. Yeah. So he's basically the same age.
1: Yeah, but man, I would just, I guess because you, we follow him so at a young age, you would just, I just
0: assumed he was
1: younger than Luke by like three or four years.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, like, it is kind of interesting. Uh, it's interesting to me that where where he is in life at this present moment, this is a couple of years after the events of Kenobi, in which we've now seen a very young Luke Skywalker at the age of 10. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, going forward in Star Wars, it's worth knowing that Ezra and Luke are, in fact, um, the same age, which, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, Lothal Imperial shipyards are, in fact, responsible for the creation of the TIE Advanced Starfighter. This is a prototype model, but will, in fact, be later used as the um, TIE fighter that Darth Vader ends up flying around.
1: I was wondering what was going on with that, because they call it an advanced TIE fighter in the show, and then we know Darth Vader's TIE fighter is a TIE advance. So, in the different kind of designs to it.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, I was
1: starting to think, did they just not have an original name? So there's an advanced TIE fighter and a TIE fighter
0: advance? Yeah. um, The TIE fighter Advanced X1 is the one that that Darth Vader drives. And uh, the the TIE, uh, I think it's just... What is it called? TIE TIE Advanced or something?
1: I tried to look it up. Yeah, well, in the show,
0: they call it the Advanced TIE
1: Fighter. But if you look it up on Wikipedia, it's just the Inquisitor's
0: TIE. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Inquisitor's TIE Advanced. Yeah. So I don't think that's actually a proper model number for it. Um, On the sidebar of the Wikipedia page, though, it does say it's called, the model is the TIE Advanced Version 1 Prototype. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of this being the Inquisitor's TIE fighter, though, uh, did you notice his helmet?
1: Oh, I remember. he's got a custom
0: helmet, right? He's got this really like crazy-looking visor G-M. helmet, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It looks pretty cool. Like, I think it's because his head is a weird shape, so I couldn't just give him a
0: regular. <laughs> well. Yeah, it would fit like the Hasbro Black Series Poe Dameron one did on us. <laughs> yeah. Chin just sticks out so far. Yeah, it's just basically a hat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> covers up to his nose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even. They try, they try eyebrows.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm hilarious.
0: <laughs> uh, Can't see anything with the blast shield down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but with the blast shield so high up, how, how how is it supposed to protect my my head? How am I supposed to fly? Quiet, <laughs> you. Uh, the cybernetic Rodian. Zebo um this is uh this cybernetic implant is very similar to what we see on Lobot in Star Wars episode 5 the Empire Strikes Back and it turns out that um okay remind me again how does he snap out of his his days does he get like hit on the head or something like like does he or just does he like recover or like what like what happened I think
1: with there's that? a tr- there's a trigger word so I think um it clicked in that he was with Ezra Bridger is what happened
0: Oh, I see. He remembered who Ezra was. So my thoughts are that maybe this is a very recent installation. I find it's interesting that Ezra's parents, we learned that they are actually rebels. And uh, again, maybe not part of the larger network, but they're doing what they do to stand up against the larger empire. Um, You know, they they kind of reminded me of perhaps uh, like Marva, right? Uh, Ezra's parents. They kind of reminded me of Marva from Andor. You know, they just they just want to stand up against you know the empire and do what they believe and and kind of uh, um, you know speak out against against what they're doing on their home world, and their friend Zeebo is obviously involved with that, and um, it's uh, unclear as to who Zeebo might be working with that he's actually willing to sacrifice his brain to get this implant uh, stored so that he can run away with all the secrets that they got, um, or a circumstance like it. it... To me
1: it felt like he was involved maybe early on for the parents' deceased the and then he kind of just you know he went to just try to survive and work for the empire and then he kind of got himself caught up in something now he's got to go on the run.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it learned something he shouldn't have. Right. Yeah, there's that possibility as well. I don't I don't even know if we ever get an answer to that, but um yeah,
1: this felt like a part one episode, so I guess we'll know when we watch episode nine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's later, I don't
1: know. right. Um, yeah, and that's uh, I thought it was, it was interesting though that they said when you have these implants, it's basically strips you of personality, so that's why I guess Lobot seems so robotic, right? <laughs> he gave up his name. He used to be his name used to be Terrence, but he became so lacking of emotion. They just
0: called him Lobot. <laughs> we'll call you Lobot. <laughs> just imagine like a affirmative a scenario. <laughs> just like Solo, he's like standing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's who? What's your last name? Who are your people? Uh, nothing. I'm on my own. All right. Well, Solo's taken, so we'll just call you Lobot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Low. So low's so taken. Low. Everyone's trying to get that name, but it's already taken. We'll ditch the SO and go with low the later half. Because <laughs> it's feeling low today. Yeah, that's right. Feeling low. Um, so right, they, they
1: mentioned, though, that through uh, Zeebo, that there's a five year plan for Lothal, as well as the local planets. So I think we more or less see this is kind of a, a prelude, I think, or a foreshadowing. To what we see that happens over across the, the next few seasons.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because, um, I guess perhaps the length of the show, even being a four season show basically covers that whole, uh, that whole plan, you know, and, uh, really like the show does end up concluding a, a plot to, to the whole Lothal thing. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good story. It's a good story what, what they got going on uh, in, on Lothal. And I think like what you were saying last last time is it's far enough away from a lot of the other planets that perhaps maybe it's less in the spotlight uh, intentionally that it doesn't need to be like a crazy big deal that impacts events in the rest of the films that surround the original trilogy, right?
1: Again, I think we mentioned this last episode, the one before, where it's really just showing how the empire corrupts them over. Time. Yeah. Over
0: time. So like
1: they come in and try to, you know, be everyone's saviors, whatever, like just bringing peace and security. And then they slowly just turn to tyranny and like strip mining and pollution and all this sorts of thing. And just the, the people who were there, uh, their home is just not, no longer recognizable.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad story, but uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's 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 the empire, right? <laughs> um, well, that's that's pretty much all we got for today. Um, is there any last minute things you want to bring up before we wrap it up here? Um, I guess I would
1: just say that overall, I think I'm I'm enjoying Rebels more this time around than I did the first time. Maybe just I. I didn't have the standards coming right out of Clone Wars. So I, I knew uh, my, the bar's not as high this time around, so I'm actually enjoying it more than I expect.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think I think with the bitterness gone on my end, like, you know, when I first watched the show and I've seen it since, and each time it's gotten a little bit better, it's aged a bit better on me. There's still some things that are quite cheesy about it, but. Um, and, you know, it is admittedly for a younger audience than Clone Wars was. But uh, I think the story itself and what we're able to take away with the, the character arcs and so on and so forth is, uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Sure. Do we need to read, rate these real quick? Yeah, let's let's run through it real quick. Yeah. Um, Pablo points or Poodoos. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, our rating system is a scale of 7.0. Three Pablo Pudus is the absolute worst. Moving up from there, two, one, Pablo Pudus. And then uh, in the middle, 50% is a Bendu. Pablo Points consists of one, two, or three. Three being the absolute best. Uh, so what would you give the first episode of this?
1: Um, I like this one. This, this one with Luminara and her manipulated force remains. This one's pretty cool. I think I'd give it a solid, say, one and a half. Points. I think it was pretty, pretty
0: good. How mm-hmm. about you? Yeah, I'd give it. I'd give it one and a half. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good score to give it. What about uh, What about the follow up to that? It was Was it breaking ranks?
1: Um. Yes, because that's the one where they were escape. They're, they're doing the training and infiltrate and stuff. This one, I think, it was. It didn't push the the bar. I think, but it it may have had some story points where we're gonna need to come back to later. So maybe like uh, you know setting things up. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna go with uh, half half a problem.
0: Really, I um you know watching I don't know what what it is. Maybe maybe it's just aged better on me. I think I think I would actually put this at like a. A two Pablo point, surprisingly. Oh, enough. wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a really
1: high, high rating for this.
0: It is, yeah. You know, had, it had a little bit of comedy in there, but it wasn't crazy over the top. And uh, it connected to a larger story. You know, it um, had carried forward uh, a plot from, from well, I mean, it's the Death Star. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good little plot to kind of Easter egg in there. And then... Uh, I mean, maybe I just really like the character of Zera Leonis, that, that Servants of the Empire book series was really great. So, you know, I, I, I quite liked seeing this, this episode a lot. Um, and then...
1: Maybe you can yeah. convince
0: me. I'll, I'll, I'll bump it up to one point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> season 1, episode 7, Out of Darkness, uh, the one with uh, Hera and Sabine getting trapped on the moon, I think that one is a solid bendu for me. Mm, I'll give this one the point 0.5. It was very fillery. Yeah
1: But as far as like trying to be somewhat creative at least the monsters were kind of cool because to me It was like kind of the main thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair um, And Empire Day, um, I think I'm going to give this one a point 0.5 Pablo point.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I was gonna give this one I'll give it a two because I thought this one was probably the most interesting of the whole
0: whole batch. Oh, really? Okay yeah i think it had the most
1: story stuff going on we're living a lot more about ezra's backstory uh there's a a lot more going on uh, it was direct conflicts with the uh, high inquisitor mm-hmm. and the the growing of the universe of empire day and seeing all the people seeing like how they are on planet uh even just like they go to a local bar and like troopers come in like you have to put on the radio it's mandatory yeah and then it backfires on them it's like well
0: it's mandatory. That's true. That's a good point. All right. Yeah, you sold me on it. One Pablo point. All right. <laughs> All right. All right like thanks for over here. Thanks for coming on like, the, the show again, sir. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one.
1: Cool. Sounds good. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All
0: right. Thank you to our esteemed listeners at home. Joining us for another episode of Rebels Talk and following along us at home watching those Rebels episodes as well, leading up to Ahsoka. May the Force be with you, and we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod or the next episode of Rebels Talk.